Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid uh, Creator Corner. Uh, this is uh, one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I am here with a, a writer today that I am very excited to talk to. Um, and not only because he is uh, in the Philadelphia area. Um, but because he is a fantastic writer and he has uh, written uh, the comic Fog Line with uh, Andy Michael on the artwork. And he has uh, done a couple of great stories and anthologies like Cops and Robbers from Into the Sunset. Um, I think if you go on his website, you can check out Lasso, which is a, a Westworld style story with Jay uh, Paul Shake uh, that I really enjoyed. And he has a bunch of stuff coming out. Uh, Kilchella with Scout Comics um, is going to be in stores on October 5th. He's going to have a Kickstarter soon with uh, J. Paul Shake again, One True Love. And uh, yeah, so without further ado, please welcome Mario Condelaria to the podcast. Mario, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you doing tonight? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you all, uh, about all the stuff that you have uh, going on. Um, I wanted to start, though, kind of in terms of, you know, uh, where you are now. Um, when did you first get some inklings that you wanted to, you know, write in some fashion? Uh, that's a good question. That's a great question. Um, it wasn't something I set out to do when I was younger. I was just talking to my wife today that I was a big nerd. I was a mathematician and I was into creating, you know, computer chips and soldering and all that stuff. And then just somewhere along the way, I started trying to do different things, trying to find my own voice. And I think when I was 21, I wrote my first screenplay, which was absolutely garbage. <laughs> we, had <a laughs> producer, we had an indie producer who was trying to make it in New York, and we started doing casting and everything. But I just didn't like the vision that the director was going for. Uh, so we didn't do it. But uh, yeah, I think maybe when I was 23 or 24, I started going to uh, conventions trying to pursue being a comic writer. So, well, so from from writing a screenplay to then comic writing, was there any were you a fan of, you know, comic books growing up? Was there always an interest in that or how did you first start going to conventions to think like, oh, yeah, this is something I could do? Oh, yeah, I've always been into comics. Uh, my first comics growing up uh, were cartoons, Police Academy, Heathcliff, Count Duckula, things like that. Uh, I had older cousins who gave me their box of like epic comics. Uh, what was that one? Uh, Scout, I believe, was one of them from Eclipse, maybe. Okay. Um, that that was I was way too young reading that, but you know, I had really <laughs> I had really cool uncles who introduced me to like Married with Children and the Terminator at like four years old. So, <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, I got pretty advanced in uh, the content yeah. I was uh, consuming. But uh, yeah, I've always been in the comics. My first love was always x-men i haven't really missed any x-men comics since the ninth grade when uh grant morrison oh wow yeah yeah that's a uh yeah that's a uh, that's quite a while to be uh to following it and like still up to this day you still uh, uh know what's going on absolutely um uh, see i have a giant sized x-men hole in my comic knowledge Oh, no. Um, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I probably shouldn't have just said that, but <laughs> well, X marks the spot for a reason, right? Let's, let's see what we can do to dig up that hole and fill it in. 
Yeah, uh, I'm just going to get inundated with uh, X-Men comics, which is fine. I've I've heard a lot of great things. It's just, yeah. it was... Um, I mean, yeah, it was... Colors it, for everyone, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel left out when, uh, when, when folks start talking X-Men and they're like, oh, Jim, you know, you like comic books. And I'm like, yeah, I love them. And then it's like, oh, I got to pretend that I know what I'm talking about. Um, but that's cool uh, that you're you're you still find time to uh, do that and still pursue that, and that you've been you've been doing it so long. That's great. Yeah, you know, I I read uh, comics on my iPad when I fall asleep at night, and uh, my wife she caught me on video once. I was holding the iPad, and I'm just dozing off, and it just smacked me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost a nightly thing too. Now I learned okay, once I'm starting to feel droopy, I just put it away. Don't try to power through to the next page, but. Yeah, no, I, I I keep up with the with Marvel pretty regularly. Um, every year for Christmas, I get the Marvel limited subscription, so that helps out with you know some little things. But I try to sure. you know get the main issues as they come. So, do you have uh, you know do you have like a Marvel character? Like, have you ever got a chance to write? Like, is there somebody that you think like, oh, I, I one day want to write the X Men, or I have this great nightcrawler story or do you do you think about those things as you continue to read them and as you write comics now yourself uh this is going to probably hurt my career but <laughs> i'm just gonna say no um i i like being a fan of the x-men right it's like i yeah. just because i like the circus doesn't mean i want to go join the elephants and the clowns you know i, I prefer to sit yeah. back and enjoy it as it comes i don't even read uh previews or solicitations anymore like i used to to see what's coming i want to be surprised as you know the events right. come i mean they tell you in the back of the page you know oh this event's coming little adverts but you know i try to use a, a wrestling term i try to be kayfabe only right <laughs> like if it's not happening sure. on the page i don't want to know about it and i think if i start writing on or if i get the opportunity uh that could probably kill some of the magic for me in terms of my fandom but you know yeah i mean never say never right yeah, I know that's true. I I get that though. I mean, um, I, I go to Baltimore Comic Con the past few years, you know, with my brother. And um, the, growing up as a kid, I was always a big Green Lantern fan. Everything Green Lantern. And um, we were we were talking um this last October, and my brother was saying, "Would you ever write if like you ever had a, a shot? Would you ever write Green Lantern?" I'm like, "No, no, I don't want to <laughs> do it. I don't. I don't have a story. I don't." Yeah. I mean, I love, uh, I mean, I was a big Hal Jordan fan as a kid now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love every Jessica Cruz story out there. Uh, but I don't have, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I have even an inkling of an idea. I just love, I just love reading it. Yeah. I love being a fan. You know, there's something to yeah. be said for that. I think. No, I love Green Lantern as well. That, um, I started reading that with Rebirth. I wasn't a big DC guy until. Rebirth came out. That was Rebirth, Identity Crisis, Hush. They all came out kind of around the same time. That's when I started getting into DC. But um, yeah, I probably couldn't dream up of a Green Lantern story to save my <laughs> life. I, but I love reading them as they come. I mean, the Venditti line was amazing. What he did with yeah. uh, Van Jensen, of course, you know, even after the Jeff John stuff, Tomasi and what that crew did with uh, the Green Lantern Corps. I mean, I can talk about Green Lantern for ages, but we're not really here for that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I could. I I actually talked to, to Cullen Bunn last night. Okay. I was like, I was like, just like, can I just mention like Lost Army? Like, just can I be a fan for just a second? <laughs> no, don't make me pull out my battery. Uh, I have one of those uh, replica prop batteries here. My wife got this one of the first gifts she got me. <laughs> I, uh, I I actually have one. I actually have one too that my brother awesome. got me. <laughs> awesome. Um. So, but it. it in any event, uh, to circle back to some of the stuff you've written. And okay. um, so when you started doing anthologies, which mm -hmm. I, if you go on your website, anyone listening, you can, you, I'll link it in the show notes to go on your website and start looking at it. Like, did you just start pitching to different places or how did you first get started when you're like, oh, I'm at a convention. I think I can do this. What was that process like for you? Uh, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. I mean, when you're starting out, you have grand ideas of what the big picture destinations are but you know uh, at least i found from my experience that you have to build your way up like going from the indies to the pros um i think one of my first anthologies was from enrica jang at red stylo uh it was killer queen which my one of my first published books uh and i got that because i made acquaintances with some other people and they suggested my name to her 
So, I mean, it's really just, you know, going out there and networking, finding other fans. I mean, social media is great for, for that. I think we were on the newsarama forums for years <laughs> before that, just trying <laughs> to connect and link up. But, uh, yeah, right. I mean, a lot of just, you know, finding people, uh, when you're finding people as starting out, there's also a lot of false starts, you know, uh, sometimes you get excited and talk to someone and then they ghost, but that's just part of it. Right. You learn to push past that and then look for opportunities and try to find attainable opportunities and then try to swing for the fences with some bigger ones. And as you, you know, climb up, then hopefully you, know, uh, you learn from each one and can show a little bit uh, better craft. And yeah, I mean, that, that process can be difficult, certainly, and, and take a while. And you've had some success in terms of the anthologies that you've pitched to and, and some of the shorter stories um, and some really good ones. I mentioned some of the ones early on, even the more recent stuff. I really liked your Cops and Robbers one, uh, Into yeah, the thanks. Sunset. And that was also with Andy Michael, right? No, that one was Randy Haldeman. Uh, oh, that's right. That yeah, my for Brett Harshman's book. Um, yeah. My apologies to Randy, but yeah, I, for some reason I didn't I didn't write it down. Um, but Randy yeah. Haldeman, I really like really like that story. Um, we will cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I look. I I let everybody peek behind the curtain. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, thanks for yeah. thanks for the warning. I'm going to not stutter and make sure my speech impediment stays in line. So. That's all right. They put these on YouTube, and half the time I I have an eye that drifts sometimes. So I'm okay. like, wait, you're going to put me on YouTube? I got like a lazy eye, and I got a oh, my head's always tilted but now that i've said all this maybe i will cut this out <laughs> when i get into it i start john burnthaling where i look at every single person in the room i don't look to the head so <laughs> I, i'm terrible at look i'm terrible at like looking at the camera i look like everywhere else so we're, we're just I mean, look we're doing our we're doing our best we're talking comics we're having a nice yeah. time that's what people appreciate um but i was going to say uh and, and this is something i've been thinking about a lot because like i started two years ago just trying to pitch to some anthologies and try my hand at, at, at writing. Um, and then I've been thinking more about, well, if I'm going to do something longer form, what, what story is it do I really want to tell? Um, and so how do you, you know, settle on that when you, you did Fogline as a, yeah. a Kickstarter, um, which was excellent, by the way, okay. I, I loved it. I loved that you did the landscape format for it. Uh, I thought it worked out really well that you and Andy Michael at Matt Kreutzer um, lettering and Hernan uh, Guarderas as an editor. Um, you know, so, and then after that, I want to talk about Kilcella, but like when you, how do you, you know, settle on, this is the story that I know I can tell and do in a longer form. Uh, I kind of freestyle it. Right. I mean, with uh Bogline is the rare story for me that I wasn't working on and refining for ages. Like that came to me Thanksgiving dinner, 2020. And I excused myself from the family, which at the time they were kind of upset over. So it was Mario just sitting there <laughs> typing on his phone just furiously, right? Uh, but yeah, that story came to me fully formed thinking, uh, you know, I mean, you have, spoiler alerts, you have all these true crimes that are out there. But what happens when you discover you are the subject of a true crime, right? Or like investigation right. at least, where your, your story, your shame, your whatever is now encapsulated for the entertainment of others in a sense. So yeah, that, that, that's where that came from. Uh, landscape. I mean, one of my mentors is Victor Santos and he's done the polar books for dark horse. Uh, he has an adaption of that that came out on Netflix. Uh, he always does the wide books and, you know, right. I was thinking this is more of a darker story. So we wanted to give it a cinematic feel. And I looked to his books. I looked to, Frank Miller's wide books. Uh, there's a plethora of other ones just to see how, you know, the masters that came before me did it. And yeah, that's how we, uh, we put that together. Yeah. And, and Andy Michael's artwork is just kind of perfect for it. And mm -hmm. one of the things I'll say is that, um, and, and having had like reviewed a few comic books early on when I started with comic book Yeti before I, I was interviewing folks. Um, I, I sometimes forget to like take it all in and I'll just dive into a story. And I thought, oh, well, this, you know, um, the main character and his grandson and there's a true crime podcast. And I, I kind of got lulled into thinking the story was one thing and forgetting like all the noir elements. And 
when when you if you you read it and and you get to the end and I won't spoil anything but it it really is has such a noir sensibility there's so many little moments that kind of caught me off guard um yeah I just thought it was uh superbly well done thank you I appreciate that uh it was uh luck <laughs> it was honestly <laughs> luck uh you know that's something I learned from one of the comedy uh masters out there where they say if people if you do something by mistake and people love it see yeah we planned on that but if, right you know, <laughs> if you mess up you're like oh yeah no that's just that's just coincidental but no thank you um yeah one of my influences for that was noah holly who's been doing the fargo series on fx oh yeah well. sure um uh, terrence winter who did boardwalk empire one of my favorite shows of all time as well as mm-hmm. a few episodes of the sopranos so i that is where I come from, from the entertainment that draws me in as, as a fan and as a viewer. So uh, okay. I think uh, I didn't intentionally pay that homage. Like I didn't set out to that. I think it's just what I was absorbing at the time during uh, peak lockdown COVID. And it just came out that way. Yeah. Uh, now hearing you say that and thinking about, you know, um, I think it was season I want to say was it season two of Fargo, um, the Jesse Plemons uh, yeah. uh, season, uh, and Kirsten Dunst season. Um, yeah, I can definitely, I, I can definitely see that as uh, an influence. Now that you say it, it makes makes a lot of sense. I think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so moving on after Fogline, um, you said though that wasn't a story you've been working on a long time. So with Kilchella, which is. Uh, final order cutoff September 5th. It's going to be in stores October 5th, I believe. Um, yes. Uh, with Scout Comics, is that something that you did work on a, a long time to get to this point? Oh, ages. Ages. <laughs> Kilchella started out, uh, I forgot when, but honestly, th- 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 okay, this is going to be weird. The story came to me from reading an article about this woman from new york i forgot her name but she paid like five figures to be what they called coachella ready it's uh you know plastic surgery and working out and wardrobe and everything because the okay. point of the, her point was she doesn't want to look good in her photos she wants to look good in the background of other people's photos as well and I saw this and I was like, okay. And I shared it with my wife. And my wife's reaction was not what I was expecting. Cause apparently she went to high school with that girl. And she thought oh. I knew that. And I was like, what? And that just took it to another level. And then, then from there, I was like, okay, all right. I can, you know, my mind started working. I started creating a story. The original version of Kilchella was much different. This is current state is about uh, a fanatical fan base i use the word twice i'm sorry but a rabid <laughs> fan base of a musician who will do whatever she says and she enacts them to carry out a mass sacrifice uh ritual at her big concert at a music festival the original version was much more uh in tune with uh supernatural horror but okay know, in, in working at it I had a couple of different I tried to bring a couple of co-writers, you know, to bounce ideas off them. It didn't work out. I had a couple of different artists, uh, you know, before we ended up with the team that we have now. And, you know, it's just each iteration, I learned a little bit more and a little bit more. And then we finally arrived. I think uh, I had the aha moment where I was like, oh, this is the story. And yeah, we got it from there. Nice. And um, the the permanent, the art team, uh, Lataro Havlovich, Leslie Adlansky, and uh, Matt uh, Kreutzer lettering, right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, I had a phenomenal time working with that crew, uh, and this is not the last thing that we're going to do together. I can say that much. Oh, nice! Well, that's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so w- w- within that, if you look, if if, if Noah Hawley or uh, Terrence Winter are are influences for you know Fogline, this seems you know a, a, a little different of a turn. Like so. Were there other influences that you drew on in, in terms of some of the other things that you like? I mean, I used to watch American Horror Story, and I was never a big horror person. That's uh, one of the strange things about me. I didn't get into horror until just before the pandemic, maybe like 2018 or so. I started uh, I started going to the movies more often. Usually I would go see a big action comedy or you know one of the superhero epics or even one of the summer blockbusters. But when I got the... Um, 
the AMC movie pass for like 25 bucks a month. And I could see a few movies a week. I started diving into more horror. And uh, so my sensibilities for horror are a lot newer. It's not something that was steeped in long history, but thankfully okay. um, I had this idea for a story and I brought in my buddy, James Ferguson from he used to be the editor of horror DNA and he is a huge horror person. So he was kind of my, uh, my guide into this world that I was unfamiliar with. He helped, you know, like shape it. I mean, he didn't tell me what to say or do, but I said, Hey, can I do this? Can I do that? Or how does this look from his point of view as a fan, as well as from an editorial professional. And yeah, James really was the, the guiding voice who helped, who helped, who helped get me there. Oh, that's so awesome. Could, Did, um, Sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. That's it. Like, like I, I wish I could point to an influence like I could for uh, Fogline or any of my other stories with, with horror. But unfortunately, at this time, uh, no, it's just, you know, I had an idea for a story and knew the basic building blocks. Um, I mean, people who have read the story said that they like the friend dynamic of that. I think that comes from, you know, the prestige dramas of how you build character and character relationships and then it dives into the horror element right yeah i mean no not everything has to be uh you know inspired by something i just was curious (laughs) in terms of your horror journey i i was never a horror fan myself Mm -hmm. either uh, until um i think it was in high school i went to a presentation okay. uh I, I was going to do something totally different what i was going to do was booked up all my friends were going to one about um monsters and villains okay. and it was yeah. just a, a like a deep dive for two hours into you know those classic horror characters from like the 80s movies freddy krueger yeah. jason michael myers and i just i don't know what it is it awakened something in me and i was kind of hooked um uh, recently I've, I've like fallen way behind on, on horror movies, but, um, I've always been a, a fan of the genre. I, I know I have a long list of things I got to catch up on, but, um, yeah, I love horror comics though. I love stuff like, uh, like what Walt did with the autumnal and the plot. And, um, I like a lot of stuff of what Lemire and Sorrentino did with Gideon Falls. So I, 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 I get my horror fix from my comics now, um, which I enjoy. Um, well, so, and then how many issues is Kilchella planned for? Is is it a set number yet or no? Yeah, we have four issues. Um, we, oh, nice. Yeah, we we start off building up, introducing who's who, and then issue two continues that, and then we have chaos, and it's just chaos all the way up until the end. <laughs> Has it been, um, you've mentioned, uh, I think, on Twitter, saying that, you know, this up to this point is the biggest comic book of your career and i i've seen you you know promoting it but is it is it tough to do that aspect of it like you you've you've written it you've you've kind of you know essentially been a product of not product a project manager of the creative team um i've heard it you know uh, and so is it difficult to then also then turn and do that marketing aspect of it and do that type of like of outreach yeah i'm not gonna lie and say it's not it is um at this stage where I am, I don't have the luxury of having, you know, a full scale marketing team behind me at a publisher that has, you know, uh, high level contacts. You know, we're not getting uh, exclusive debuts in the Hollywood Reporter like you would see at like Vault or Dark Horse or anything. I mean, hopefully one day I can get there for right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like I said, it's it's paying my dues working in the Indies. Scout has been really good to me. I've what they have done but a lot of it is also you know i am living and dying by my own word here i mean i've seen right. books I've, I've had friends who put out books and they are mum for the most part online <laughs> and it's like you know then they'll wonder okay you know uh, awareness isn't that high so i'm trying to do my best because this is like you've said uh, you quoted me saying this is the biggest opportunity i've had and it is uh, that means hopefully that means more eyes on me and that could lead to potential future opportunities. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, uh, I'm not getting any younger, so this is probably going to be my one big shot at it, uh, financially, at least. I mean, this making your own comics as the writer is not just the writer. You are the project manager. You're the producer. You're the financier. You're, the, <laughs> you're the team coach and player, you know? So it's a lot of, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're putting a lot into it. Um, but 
yeah, it's it it's not easy, but hopefully, you know, uh, going into it from a level of maturity uh, and you know, compartmentalizing different tasks uh, to attainable levels. Uh, yeah, this is something that hopefully will be rewarding, not just yeah, financially, I, but also you know, emotionally. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not just the one thing. Um, and I hope it is. It it sounds it's a it sounds like a fantastic concept. Um, everything I've seen about it, I know. I think there's a a really great looking uh, like a exclusive cover that you can get from Scout that looked really cool. Um, uh, that I think you can get from the I think the Scout website. I mean, I really like what Scout has been doing. They've they've been putting out a lot of great books. They have a uh like a young adult scoot there that imprint. Mm-hmm. They've they've really been doing a lot of um you know, fantastic thing. So I'm, you know, uh, excited for the book and to finally get my hands on it, to see it. So, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that just like you are all your, uh, your, your hard work pays off because I, I see you on social media. I see the things that you're doing and uh, it is, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work to write. It's a lot of work to then have to do all of this. And it sounds like you had a great concept and it, the, the, the things I've seen from the book look gorgeous. So um, I'm hoping uh, it works for you. I post a lot of nonsense online. So I hope that doesn't (laughs) get in the way. I'll (laughs) randomly put like some gif or I'll talk about the weekend or I'll put a wrestling stuff or just random life advice that no one asked for. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll say, oh, here's this comic I'm working on. (laughs) You know what? I, I, I mean, I follow, you know, a bunch of people and especially yeah. in indie comics and whatnot, but uh, you're, you're one of the folks that I just, I just love seeing the stuff that you post, whether or not it's the wrestling or the weekend or the other stuff that you've mentioned. Um, I, yeah, I just, I think it's great. I, I just, you know, I, I it, with anybody on social media, it's part like what is real, what might mm-hmm. be performative, what mm-hmm. what might be because it, what might be a, everything I do in my entire life, even as an attorney, is a bit. So it's yeah. like, is everything a bit? And it, I just I love it. I love it. Well, Everyone should follow Mario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But uh, if, if we could talk about that for a moment. Uh, yeah. Follow me. No, um, I feel that all of us contain multitudes within us. Right. We're not just one hat. Yeah. We are. uh we can't say the Harry Potter sorting hat, because, but we are a hat that sorts you into different houses, right? But we contain those houses within us. So, I mean, uh, I, I have some uh, acquaintances or other people I see who are in the comic biz who just nonstop promotional machines to the point where I'm like, are you a person? But then they have private alternate accounts where they post actual human stuff, right? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to find the balance of, you know, do you come off as a person, like you said, or is this just performative? Are you just going to shit post? And that's your whole persona, or are you just going to promote stuff all day? Or, you know, I mean, a little mixture of it all, I think is makes a well-rounded person. I, yeah, for me, I like, I like people. I don't like brands. So, you know, uh, if, if that's how some things feel, then it's easy for me just to hit the unfollow button or the mute button is really popular on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, I feel like a big part of social media is being true to who you are and also, you know, showing that you're a person, but you know, faults and thoughts and ideas. I, you don't want to get too, or at least I don't want to get too, uh, inflammatory for one way or another, because God forbid bots start coming at you or people who term search. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I, I, I took it off topic, but that's something that I I believe in. No, I I'm yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I mean, I I like I have a lot there's a lot of people that complain about social media, Twitter in particular. For the most part, I have a very nice time whenever I scroll social media because I, you know, my timeline is kind of cultivated in terms of the folks I like to follow. I yeah. I use it mainly for comic stuff because that's, you know, what I like to do for Comic Book Yeti and Another website, Gate Crashers, that I mm-hmm. contribute some stuff to, and I, you know, I, I, I'm not somebody that I'm 43 years old. I don't need to get on there and start yelling that I didn't like an episode of, of She-Hawk. I, I mean, I've only seen two episodes, and they were they were Come both on. lovely. But you know, who has time for that? If I don't like something, I'm just not going to talk about it. Right? right. Uh I love the people who complain about Twitter by complaining on Twitter. I'm like, you know, <laughs> you're just boosting up that algorithm, bro. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's. That's all it is. Um. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Meta Human Affairs. This one is a story 
about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg, but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now well not to like make a a hard left back into (laughs) comics but i but before, but I wanted to talk about your other project. You have a, you're going to have another okay. Kickstarter coming out soon, One True Love. And um, I had when I first read the description, I just thought this is like right in my wheelhouse of the stuff that I like to read. It, it reminded me. Uh, my understanding, the story is there's. Um, I think the, these they commit a, a robbery and they are now holed up in somebody's house in Hollywood. Um, somebody returns home who maybe they thought were going to be away, and the paranoia starts to increase about what it is they're they're going to do. I think that it could be as serious and tense and dramatic. It could have comedic elements. It 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 could be a lot of different things. Uh, but I just I love how the premise sounded. It's Jay uh, Shake, uh, Jao Canola. Yeah, uh, apologies if I said that wrong. Scott Ewan and edited by James Ferguson. So j- tell me about it. Tell me where things stand with that, and when can folks expect to see it? Yeah, this is. Uh, I'm actually really nervous about this. When we're talking about long term storytelling, <laughs> One True Love is an idea I've been telling in my head since 2000. 14 maybe just building on it and building on it i didn't start really writing it until 2017 uh i had a false start with an artist who was working out um but then you know they decided to join the military and give up comics so you know i, I put it on the back burner until mm-hmm. you know, an eye out to see who's available and what styles i like from artists uh and then we you know jay and i got together i want to say 2019 late 2019 just before covid covid kind of we really screwed everything over but sure. uh, yeah yeah this is uh you hit the nail on the head with that this it's a story this takes place after the heist the heist is prologue in this point so it's okay. these gangsters who pulled off a huge heist and now they're holed up at a friend's house in the hollywood hills they drove to the desert to get there and uh there is someone who is not supposed to be there who unexpectedly you know comes into the safe house and that wrench is what starts to get all the characters against each other in a in a, in a way um because you know when you're dealing with that much money no matter how much you're going to split it everyone's still paranoid everyone else wants to take some more for themselves so it this is if you're looking at influences this is my scorsese i feel just looking at okay. you know how that's structured, my influences for that. Casino is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, even going into like Nicolas Cage books of just con men and books, sorry, Nicolas Cage movies <laughs> about con men like Matchstick Men and uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah him and Sam looking, Rockwell, right? Yeah, it's just looking at like that type of Lord Baelish shady characters and what they mm-hmm. will do to. Plot and plotting and scheming are the same things, but when they going to do the plot and scheme, <laughs> you know, uh, with each other, and also when you yourself are a plotter and schemer, you think that everyone else is as well, even if they're not. So you're looking at what's being said, what's being done, overanalyzing intentions that might not be there. Um, James, when James came on board, uh, he read the script first before he agreed, and he said that this is probably the best thing I've ever written. Which I don't believe him. I think he was looking for a paycheck on this, but <laughs> uh, if he said it, hey, right. but, um, yeah, this is uh, like I said. I'm really nervous about this one because it is a huge goal, and I'm st- I still feel like I'm an unknown. So I think uh, for a big Kickstarter book, that's also we are we're doing it the same way we did Fogline in that widescreen format, uh, you know, in oh, nice. that format. So um, no, that costs a little bit extra from the printers, of course, doing it in color because I felt that Jow's work is amazing. The way he hits those, the way he really captures the California sun and the sun sprays in each panel that we have, that, or the way he captures the moon or just when they're in the hills and he just 
overlays some lights down in the valley. I mean, it's just it. The color is a character of itself because we wanted to capture the way that the Hollywood Hills feel. Um, my wife and I spent a number of trips going up there just so I could immerse myself in, you know, Hollywood and, you know, renting people's guest houses just to see, you know, like what, what's it like up there? It kind of, it feels like you're in Dracula's castle sometimes, which is how dark and quiet it can be with the city below you. But yeah, I mean, we're just, when I say I'm nervous about this, I'm not kidding. I'm really nervous about this. Well, hopefully when the, uh, when the Kickstarter launches, um, Mm -hmm. You know, everything will go well because it, I want to read it. So, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm I'm invested now. I want to read it. So I'll um I'll be talking about it uh, because it it just it sounds fantastic, and I really like uh, the creative team as well. Um, yeah, I, I talked to Jay Shake not that long ago. Um, I really like his uh sandman influenced tarot yes. card series i just i absolutely love it um so i'm very excited for one true love uh you know uh, one of the things i i had mentioned earlier on to you and i wanted to kind of circle back again with your writing that i kind of find surprising in terms of some of the things you've done is that you've also done you know stand-up comedy mm. and yes <laughs> you know so ha- I mean, and you, you said it earlier that like, you know, we, we, we contain multitudes. So, Mm -hmm. um, but do you find that those things you, you know, learned writing stand up or performing are still influenced by, or work their way into your, you know, uh, dramatic writing or your, your crime series or whatever it, it might be? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, A lot of, a big part of my comedy at least is observation. And that's a big part of writing as well. You could learn how to properly capture someone by observing and mimicking behaviors and, you know, acting like a mirror to reflect it back at the person. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up, I'm not gonna lie. I grew up a ball buster. I always loved, uh, (laughs) I I love busting balls. I love, I love getting it back. Oh, geez. I love getting it back. Getting it back. You're trying to get a volley back and forth and it's really good. You'd be like, wow, that's my friend who just tore me apart. Right. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, and also, you know, just uh, trying to be a storyteller. And he grew up and going to family parties and barbecues and people are telling the story and just gets big and grandiose. And there's always, you know, the beginning, middle end with the big punchline for the big laugh at the end. I mean, that's just the way that that was my language of love growing up was, you know, telling stories and busting balls. So becoming trying to do comedy was just something that I gravitated towards i mean i always watched the greats growing up uh richard pryor and george mm-hmm. carlin and then even more uh contemporary legends hannibal burris is one of my favorite guys with this oh sure the way, the way he'll talk really slow but then he'll speed it up with the punchline at the end <laughs> i mean just <laughs> looking at that cadence um but i didn't start performing until i saw my old buddy randy do it and out of spite, I said, well, fuck, if he could do it, I could do it. So, <laughs> so I started doing it, too. I was like, oh, geez, this guy can do it. And I, I definitely, no, no problem, right? So we, he and I fed up with each other in New York for a little bit. You know, uh, he was living in the city. I was living out here in Pennsylvania. But I would drive into the city about 90 miles or so a couple times a week just to hang out with him, get, you know, meet his contact. Uh, he liked me because I didn't, I knew him before comedy. And there's a lot of people, you don't, you can't really trust a lot of people out there because you don't know who's trying to use you for, you know, just leverage or push against you. So he liked that he, he and I could kind of team up and say, okay, you know, you're my buddy. I've known you for years. We'll go to this club. We'll check it out. We'll, you know, see what's like, see what the score is. Um, right. But yeah, we did that for a couple of years until he got married and moved to Wisconsin. And I think he was on a farm or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, uh, I stopped, but I still keep in touch with my old friends from the comedy cellar. Um, Tara Canistrasi, she and I created with uh, uh, Kim Hellum, we created this short film uh, called The Chart. And we came up with that while we were in the basement of the comedy cellar, just, you know, honing our craft. And Mm -hmm. that short film went on to win awards in both uh, the local New York short film festivals as well as Italy. I, I, I say that we're winning awards from the old country to the new country. (laughs) (laughs) So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great it's a great yeah. short oh thank you uh you saw it you're the like, chart oh, right like, yeah you're like the fifth person on there to see it i guess <laughs> but <laughs> well i did uh, I... thank you um but yeah i mean how comedy affects the writing aspect of comics is 
very similar because you're looking at I I don't know theater that well, but you know the simple the symbolism of the two masks, drama and comedy. You know the mm-hmm. crying face and the laughing face. I mean, it's two sides of the same coin. So a lot of those elements, of course, is you know observing how characters interact, uh, how they feed off of each other, you know, and how those two, for lack of better words, vehicles can either go past each other or collide. So that's um, yeah, it's a very similar approach. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I just, you know, sometimes I don't think about stand up and, you know, I, I love stand up comedy growing up. That was like, uh, I, my parents had, we didn't have a lot growing up, but my dad yeah. had a pool table. And um, one of the things we did was my brother and I, that's how we spent most of our time down in the basement. We'd shoot pool. My dad had a bunch of old records and I'd listen. Nice. We'd listen way too young. We'd listen to Steve Martin's <laughs> wild and crazy guy oh, wow. okay. over and over again. I mean, to the point that I probably haven't heard that in 30 years. And I think I could probably still nail a couple of the routines. <laughs> oh, guaranteed. That's embedded in you now. That's a, that's a cornerstone of your life right there. I could do the same yeah. with Dennis Leary. He's no cure for cancer. I could probably oh. do that verbatim. If I hear the first opening word, I could just go from there. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just so funny how those things are, you know, ingrained in you. But you know, I've always loved stand-up comedy. And you think about, you know, somebody you know, sitting down and, and writing a set, writing like, you know, your first five minutes or your first mm-hmm. 10 minutes and like how that translates then into trying to, you know, write a script. I, to me, I, I think it's totally different writing but there certainly have to be elements that like that that bleed into it and then you have to decide whether or not oh i'm writing this noir do i lean into this moment or do i have to pull back because it it might break the suspense or the tension of it right Mm -hmm. no absolutely that's the same thing um with comics for instance you have the cadence of the page right only x number of panels per page is only x number of pages per book so in comedy, you're going to translate that to minutes and beats where mm-hmm. you want to hit these specific beats within this specific parameter. So that's the same mentality that we bring into this. Uh, and like you said, you want to break the moment. Sometimes you want to say something awkward and just hold it and hold it and hold it. And then just when you think it's going to crack, hold it just a little bit longer. And then <laughs> you'll hold out for the big laugh. Same thing when you're building a dramatic moment. I know you've seen a lot of comic let's just say for instance i'm gonna make it off the top of my head a horror comic where there's someone walking through a hallway and you know the hallway is creepy as hell <laughs> you can see in the shadows in the background that that person can't see things happening right and you have the panels getting going from bigger to smaller and smaller as they go mm-hmm. in you're gonna have macro shots of uh, a flashlight a wide eyeball something creepier you want to build that moment so then when you flip the page bam that's when it hits you and that's what the big reveal is right yeah i mean it, it god i love it I, <laughs> I could talk about i'll just talk about this uh writing and and comics um yeah i just i, I love those I, I love when you find that i love when you when that when it comes you know, together, whether or not it's a, a stand-up set and it all works, whether or not, you know, the way you just described a character walking down a creepy ass hallway. Like I just love when all of those pieces come together in that collaboration, you know, aspect of it. Um, which is the one thing that's different. I mean, with most comedy, it's you, you know, stand-up routine, it's you on your own. Do you enjoy the collaboration aspect of comics and like um working with the different artists that you've you know worked with for you know one true love and fog line and i'm not going to say no because they're going to listen to this but yes <laughs> uh yeah no absolutely i mean like you said when you're up there doing comedy i mean yeah you're up there alone but if you have a good support team with you and the walls to bounce off of you're not really alone you're bringing yourself as well as the expertise of anyone else that's there with you same thing with comics mm-hmm. i I've, I'm, I'm fortunate i've gotten to the point now where i have collaborations with partners who have X number of years of expertise to bring to the table where I can look at their work and say, okay, I know you can do this. They can look at my work and say, okay, I know you can do this. Let's see what we can do when we bridge that together. Um, you know, you definitely need someone to take the project manager role because that way it keeps everyone, you know, going. Sometimes that's the editor, sometimes that's the writer, but uh, 
the collaboration is where it's at. I mean, sometimes you'll have a page. Um, I have a pitch coming up with uh, Andy Michael and, you know, from Fogline and Jao also did the coloring for this. And okay. what the script that James and I worked on, James Ferguson and I was my co-writer on this, what we worked on, uh, it was a nugget and idea I had that James then took and ran off and we went back and forth just building off of each other. Then we took that and brought it to Andy where Andy did some pages. Then we brought it to the coloring for Jao. And Jao had some ideas of things we didn't even think of until we saw him lay it down. We're like, oh crap, that makes it look even better for just the lighting and mm-hmm. and everything. So yeah, I mean, the collaboration is, it's where it's at. Um, if you get a letterer who is more dynamic or they have their own flair where they'll see something on the page. You'd be like, yeah, I know you guys called for this one word to be bold, but then I went and did something a little extra, you know, I mean, that's, it's all just levels upon levels of creativity. Um, when I feel like when you're hiring someone to work on a comic with you, you're, you're hiring their years experience and you trust their artistic vision for what their position is. But also, you know, sometimes they might have an idea for you and say, Hey, I see that this is coming up. What if you did? this so yeah a lot of uh a lot of feedback it's a living organism right we all live off of the different pieces together yeah no i mean that yeah it's absolutely true um it it works when everybody's uh working together and um i love those moments when you write something and it comes back and not the way at all you saw it Mm -hmm. in your head and you realize they're like oh yes other uh this is this is how I described it, but not as I saw it. Of course. That's <laughs> <And> it's better. <laughs> uh, that's a great part too, especially as a writer, when you have your initial script, right? And then you see what the art looks like. And then you go back and you try to fix the wording or the cadence of where the balloons are to that art. Or you can say, oh, you know, I had three balloons here, but I think this worked better with two balloons. Let me move this one somewhere else. So that way, this what this other person did shines even brighter. So. Right. And, uh, you know, so with with uh, Kilchella and Fogline and, and One True Love, and you said you're working on a, another pitch, are you the type of person that uh, that, you know, wants to see how things go? Or you, you seem you seem to me that you're constantly maybe churning different ideas and like just maybe right on the horizon looking at what might be next. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't think i have it in me to just say okay this is good now it's done now let's move on to the next thing i think uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is a distraction too sometimes i don't want to think about whatever dark thoughts you know that you don't want to think about right so i will throw myself into some other some other work and then just to say okay let me distract myself uh Mm -hmm. not to not to bring it the whole conversation moved down but uh some of it is just you know so too many ideas, too little time. Some of it is uh, I have an opportunity with some publisher. So let me try to think of something that would fit, not necessarily what they produce, but a hole that I found in their catalog. And I want to try to bring that idea to to them. Um, I mean, you know, I've been doing this for so long now that I'm just keeping busy at this point. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> just a lot of, uh, you know, just churning out ideas and hope hoping that one or two of them stick. Do you have issues? I mean, with like, uh, I mean, how's your time management considering you work comics, isn't your full-time job. You work, you know, you're married. Um, uh, do you have time to relax and do anything else? Like, or like other than reading X-Men comics, or is there, uh, and listening to the weekend, is there other stuff that you're, you're into that like can take your mind off of, off of things you can kind of decompress. Uh, not really. I mean, I go to movies a lot. Um, you know, I go to movies way too much. Actually, that popcorn, that popcorn is not good for my waistline. But uh, yeah, you know, I like doing that. I I have uh, an Xbox and a PlayStation because I'm a glutton like that. So I try to uh-huh. you know game. But I mean, you talking about downtime. Most of my time is honestly downtime because uh, I background process when I'm writing. Right. So I try to do all the. Uh, this is, I did not suggest this for everyone, but I try to do all of the nitpicky stuff in my mind where I'm laying out ideas and characters and lines and scenes and the pacing in my mind. So that way, when I do find time to sit down and write, I know, okay, I want to tackle all this, or I want to put it down in an outline kind of already fully formed. So that way, okay. you know, when I do decide to start scripting, uh, 
I have, you know, that blueprint already laid out. Um, I don't know. My, I'm kind of weird. So my brain's always been like that. <laughs> I can multitask. Uh, so I try to, when I do sit down, I want to be ready. I don't like to sit down and say, okay, what am I going to write today? And then that's what I'm just, you know, uh, scrolling eBay or just, you know, doing anything else other than, right. than writing. So. Yeah. Do you, um, I mean, do you always outline in terms of your, your scripts or do you like just have it, you know, in like an outline in your head and you're like, Oh, um, I'm ready to write now. Like rather than, you know, some, I, I've talked to some writers who will like every day I'm going to sit here and it's like, that's where I think folks might struggle with writer's block. If you force yourself into a time frame. like I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so do you have to like, do you outline it in your, your head or do you actually write out an outline and then like you start scripting? Uh, it's a mix of all of it, right? It depends on how I feel about the story. If it's something I'm super confident in, I'll just have a loose idea in my head and I'll say, all right, I'll just go from there. And then I'll do, I know my odd, my odd pages, of course, you want to build up the suspense of the odd page. So when you flip over to the even page, you have a reveal to keep everyone sure. a little micro cliffhanger. Uh, that's the basics of it. And sometimes I say, okay, I want to try to see where this goes. Other other projects I do an outline where I say issue one is this issue two is this other things I'm honestly doing a page by page breakdown because I want to try to nail the pacing down for something I'm not exactly confident in so I mean it's a spectrum right. <laughs> I wish I could just say it, it, it is this forever but it's not well it's just amazing like the, the number of folks I talk to and how it's just different for you know everybody everybody finds their own way and has to find what you know makes sense to them and mm -hmm. um, you know I, I talk to writers who are like, Oh, I have to outline. If I outline it, if I don't outline, it'll be a mess. And other writers are like, no, nah, I just sit down and start scripting it. So I'm just always fascinated by the different, you know, the, the different angles of attack. Of course. I mean, uh, unfortunately when you're pitching something, they want outline. So yeah. sometimes I <laughs> well, <that's... laughs> something and then, and then I have to go back and do the outline. I feel like I'm just retreading water at that point. <laughs> or right. as I'm, as I'm reading it and transcribing what I wrote, what I made up in my mind, I'm just like, oh, what if I do this instead? I mean, that opens up a box. But yeah, I mean, uh, it depends on the story. It depends on how comfortable I am with it or what I'm trying to get across. If it's like a three-page anthology story, I'm not going to fully outline it. I'll just say, all right, what are the beats I want to hit in right. these five panels, these six panels, these five panels? Kind of like a, like a haiku in that instance where you want to you know, try to get that cadence going. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm just always fascinated by that. Uh, I, talking to, I, I, talk, I was speaking to, um, I think it was Brian Hawkins who was talking about okay. pitching something. And um, it was great to talk to. And, and Brian was laying like out all the different things that you, you have to go into a pitch. And I'm like, there are some folks listening to this who just are getting a real education <laughs> about <laughs> everything that goes into pitching a comic book publisher. Um, but yeah, oh, um, uh, Brian's the man. Uh, he was my editor for Mad Cave for this one short story I did for them, uh, Weft, for the um, Grim Tales from the Cave. Working oh, with yes. Them. You, you were a 2020 talent search winner, correct? Yes, I was. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's funny. I've known Brian for a while. So we're, we're, uh, communicating with him in a new context was kind of cool. But, you know, uh -huh. he and I, we already had a good relationship together. So it's easier just to go in and talk to them and say, all right, man, these are my ideas. Pick one of these stories you like, and then we, <laughs> and then we'll go from there. So. Yeah. I, uh, I was talking to him for, for comic book Yeti about, uh, the vineyard, which I, I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I like, um, he's yeah, kickstarted a couple of comics and I, I just really like, I like how he writes. Uh, he had, what did he have? Black cotton with scout was another really yeah. good book. Um, there's a new yeah, one coming so. out too. Volume two is coming. That one. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's coming to Kickstarter. Uh, there is a Kickstarter, but I don't know if that's the original release or not. But no, uh, okay. he's one of the hardest. Brian is one of the hardest working people that I know. He's uh, he's doing things with Black Box. I know that he's doing things with Zenoscope. I mean, this isn't uh, this is apparently now the uh, the Brian shout out hour, but <laughs> yeah, it's now the Brian yeah. Hawkins. Uh, welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Brian Hawkins podcast. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's <laughs> definitely out there. Him and Pat Shan, I think, are the two guys. I'm just like, or two writers. I'm like, wow, you guys are everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Pat Shan and Amy Shan just had a very successful Kickstarter with Cheeky. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So uh, I I really like the indie comics community. You know, if you can't tell, it's why I spend nights doing this um, and talking to people because I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I like comics. Um, So what else before I I I wrap up here um, awkwardly as always. Um, what else should we know about Kilchella? Uh, I mean, it's really just a, a four-issue chaos cycle, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's about a bunch of friends, right, who go to an event and it ends up becoming a bloodbath. So, of course, you're going to have the uh, your staples of horror for that. But I think the way that we tackle the friendship is one of my favorite things. I mean, it's it's a look at both celebrity culture and festival culture. Uh, I think someone out there said it's it's taking a microscope at the way that we look at life through social media lens. And I'm like, I didn't intend that, but if that's a review I'm getting, then awesome. Sounds great. But, yeah. But yeah. Sign no, me up. You know, it's a, uh, it's, it's a fun story that we wanted to put out and uh, yeah, I hope people like it. Well, I'm looking forward to it. As I said, uh final order cutoff is September 5th, but it'll be in your comic book shop on October 5th. Um, and, uh, since you are in the Philadelphia area, I know I, I did this for fog line. When I talked to you about that, I asked you a Philadelphia related question, but what mm-hmm. if you, it's uh Saturday afternoon, you go into Wawa, what's your Wawa order? Uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cause they started serving burgers lately, but nah, uh, honestly, I think I'm just going to go on the machine. I'm going to hit that button. I'm going to hit the shorty roll and I'm going to get a uh, breaded chicken parm with oil and vinegar. That's Ooh, my, I like it. That's my late night Wawa. Like when everything else is closed, I'm like, ah, oh, I guess I'll go to Wawa and get a chicken parm. <laughs> yeah, I uh, and gummy bears. I, there you go, chicken parm and gummy bears. Yeah, I I do I do love Wawa. So um, I'm very 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 thankful to be in this area and have Wawa yeah. in my life. <laughs> Nothing like it. When I came from New York, I was like, what is this? You got touch screens. <laughs> and all sorts of stuff yeah it was awesome i mean that, now there's uh royal farms and sheets and all sorts of things opening up everywhere but wawa is the og um, yeah yeah uh I'm, I'm a big fan i'm a big fan um I, I have this shirt that's the old wawa logo with the goose but it says john my friends at south fellini uh they're they used to be comic book writers and now they uh, make clothes for the philadelphia area but yeah that's a really uh, fun philly shirt yeah i, I um I've, I don't, a friend of mine has one and I've, I haven't gotten one yet, but, um, it, it's a hat with the old goose and Wawa logo, but it says Delco. Cause that's where okay. yeah. I, cause I, that's where I grew up. I grew up in, in Delaware County, uh, Delco yes. for those that know. <laughs> I'm in Monco. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in North Wilmington in Delaware now, but, um, okay. yeah. Delco has my heart. <laughs> You're still a separate right? What? Like you're still yeah. stuff to train away, so yeah, you know, yeah, you're still in the yeah. I'm, I could throw a rock and and it'll it'll hit the 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 PA line. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's it like not having sales tax? Yeah, I I don't. Um, my wife doesn't let me buy anything, so I don't oh, know. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same then, right? <laughs> oh, geez. I don't know any different. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, Delaware is the first state, and I wonder if they're the smallest because they jumped too quick to that deal. If they held out a little bit longer, right? They probably could have got a little bit more land mass. Yeah, I, I think so. Probably um, they were just like, yeah, they were right away. We're all right. in. <laughs> we had, someone's like, I don't know, man. You could hold out a little bit. This is what we're going yeah. up with. Let's try to sweeten the deal. I think Caesar Rodney was probably like, look, we're not known for anything else. We have to sign first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I drove to Delaware a couple weeks ago, a month ago, uh, July, 4th of July weekend. Um, we were going down to the Outer Banks, and it's just driving the long way all the way down Delaware to the uh, yeah. to Maryland and then taking that uh, that super long bridge. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, well. That's uh, Delaware. I don't have anything else. Yeah, it's like, that's what everyone says about, you know, Delaware. They Or they reference, uh, what is it, Wayne's World 2, where they're like, we're oh, in yeah. Delaware. <laughs> uh, chicken farms and banking. That's Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's what we got. That's uh that's how we do it. And now we have Joe Biden. So oh, I guess yeah. we got we got three things. <laughs> I'm confused about that one. So I'm like, hold on, are you Pennsylvania or are you Delaware? What's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Um whatever's convenient. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that's a politician right there then. <laughs> uh, 
Well, thank you uh, very much, Mario, for joining us today at on the Comic Book Yeti uh, Cryptid Creator Corner. I I really appreciate it. I this was an absolute joy. I uh, I think you're w- wonderful on uh, Twitter. Uh, I oh, love your comics, you. and I am so excited to talk to you. And um, yeah, thank you very much for being on the Cryptid Creator Corner. Um, anytime you want to come back, uh, feel free to do that, and you can. Come on back and we'll talk about whatever wonderful comic book you have next. Maybe, you know, One True Love. And uh, thank you. Thank you very oh, much. I'm gonna, for. Uh, well, I'm the host of that. You're going to get sick of me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me as well. This is really fun. Um, I appreciate the, the time. I, mean, I would just sit here and watch wrestling until I fell asleep. So, you know, <laughs> I appreciate the yeah. break from that. No, uh, anytime. Anytime. Uh, feel free to come back. Let me know. But. Um, one more time, Kilchella, number one. It's going to be in stores October 5th. Look for the One True Love uh, Kickstarter when that comes out. Um, and if you haven't checked out Mario's website and looked at some of his other comics, uh, you should definitely do that, especially uh, Fogline. And uh, yeah, for Comic Book Eddie, I am Jimmy Gasparro. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you like us, you know, tell your friends and all the other things. Uh, thanks a lot, Mario. Right, thanks. Take care. All right. See you next time, guys. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.